coming to you live from the Mistopheles Studios in Dark Fringe Radio. And welcome to Dark Fringe Radio, everybody. I'm your host, Will Martinez. And uh, thanks for joining me on the podcast this week. we got a very, very interesting episode for you. So we hope you guys enjoy. Sit back. Break over a cold one. Do whatever you got to do. But just uh, sit back and listen and enjoy this audio experience that we're going to give here tonight. So, of course, my co-host with me tonight, as always, Jay Glossy. Jay, what's up? Not a whole lot, my friend. How are you doing tonight? Very good, man. Very good, man. I'm excited for tonight's topic, man. Episode 51. We're going to be talking about cryptids tonight, man. Things that lurk in the dark. And I'm not talking about my ex-wife, so... Hey, hey, we're going hot tonight. <laughs> Apparently, Ooh, that's kind of to do with throwing bombs next is okie dokie. I got ammunition. There you go, man. There you go. Well, listen, I wanted to uh, just remind everybody uh, where you can catch us on the social media. You can catch us on uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Just look up Dark Fringe Radio. Uh, we're there. We have um, you know things that are popping up there on a daily basis. Our Instagrams are most uh, constant, so make sure you keep up to date with us there. And uh, that's uh, the uh, social media where you can listen to the podcast pretty much everywhere, anywhere and everywhere. Yeah, we've gotten to that point where we're heard on Stitcher, uh, Spotify, uh, Google uh, Play, uh, iTunes. We're all over the place. So no matter where you look, uh, you can just look up Dark Fringe Radio. We'll pop up. Uh, just make sure you give us a five-star rating. Leave us a comment, something positive. We really appreciate it. It helps us out with the uh, advertisers, and uh, that's the way you could pay us back. So uh, for us, giving you guys a free podcast. So anything else to throw in there for the intro, Jay? That's right, bitches. Boom. We're everywhere. 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 Global. Worldwide. <laughs> yeah, so that's, uh, that's it. And uh, I guess we can jump right into the mailbag this week, Jay. You want to go ahead and do that? There's a letter in your mailbox. Uh, as long as that's not like a dirty euphemism, yes. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> All right, so we'll jump right into that, uh, the mailbag for tonight. And we got a couple good ones that uh, I put together for us tonight, Jay. And uh, first one is from uh, Greg Cejudo uh, from Springfield, Illinois. And the uh, subject of the email is Nipsey Hustle. Hmm. Have you heard about this individual, Nipsey Hustle, Jay? I mean, I, I heard he died. Mm-hmm. And I heard there was some uh, questionable actions that led to him dying. That is correct. Uh, but if I'm 100% honest, I really had no idea who the hell he was. No, and you know me neither, to be quite honest. And uh, once this all happened, um, I actually started doing some um, interesting, um, you know, like uh, – just research on the guy, you know, and uh, but before I tell you about what I found out, let me read the rest of this email from uh, Greg Cejudo and, and uh, Greg writes, uh, hey, guys, Greg from Springfield, Illinois, wanted to know if either of you have followed the latest story about this rapper slash entrepreneur named Nipsey Hussle that was killed last week in front of his clothing store in Los Angeles. Uh, reason I ask is because this case uh, with this individual seems a little out of sorts and there is a narrative running around that he may have been killed on purpose because of some documentary that he was financially backing, question mark. Uh, not sure if you've heard of any of this, uh, but it doesn't seem to be the classic case of some gang-banging, violence-mongering rapper who, kill, who got killed, excuse me, for doing something that he wasn't supposed to be doing or hanging around the wrong crowd. Uh, thanks again, uh, Greg Cejudo from Springfield, Illinois. So um, thanks for the email, Greg. Really appreciate it. And uh, thanks for listening to the podcast. And uh, thanks for writing in. That's an interesting take. Uh, yeah, I've heard that. I've heard that same thing. And uh, it's a pretty interesting topic because um, supposedly the documentary that he was finance, uh, financially backing was a uh, documentary about this doctor, Dr. Sebi. And uh, he was this doctor from India. And supposedly uh, this doctor could basically, he claimed that he could cure any illness, including AIDS and HIV, um, all through diet. Um, and it's very controversial, but... Um, Something happened to him along the way where he ended up, I think, in a Paraguayan or Uruguayan fucking prison or something like that, Jay, and dying under you know really uh, suspicious circumstances. So, yeah, I, I, I can't remember exactly what I heard about uh, about the whole thing, but there was some questionable actions. There was some suspect things. There was just there was just a few weird things out of place. Uh, but I haven't really started looking into it or. Uh, gotten that deep, but just some 
rumors I heard. Yeah, me too. And so I'm thinking maybe this may be a good um, a topic for a true crime episode we might do in the future, Jay. Um, you know, just to break away from the par- awesome. yeah, to break away from the paranormal for just a bit and do some true crime and you know maybe talk about some you know real shit that happens in everyday lives, which is just as scary as uh, the fiction, of course. You know, but um, uh, Gre- Greg, I appreciate you sending in the email. Uh, that was a great uh, email. Really appreciate it and. Um, Keep listening to the podcast. Uh, next one comes from Kurt Haskins from Andover, Vermont. And the subject is Spotify. <laughs> okay. So uh, Kurt writes, hello, Will and Jay. I wanted to say I catch your podcast anytime there's a new episode that comes out. For me being a trucker, listening to something entertaining is key on my job. Okay. Appreciate that. Um, I wanted to say thank you for uh, finally getting on Spotify as there is where I download most of all my podcasts that I listening to, that I listen to on a daily basis. Uh, keep up the great work and keep up the content. Thank you very much, Kurt Haskins from Andover, Vermont. So, um, listen, Kurt, thanks. I appreciate that, and uh, myself and Jay really appreciate you know you writing in and uh, letting us that know that you know you catch every episode and are now catching us on Spotify. And yeah, that's a big thing for us, and uh, we really appreciate uh, you listening to the podcast and you know, letting us entertain you on your truck drives across America. So uh, anything to add to that, Jay? Yeah, actually, Kurt, thank you for what you do. Uh, without uh, without big truck drivers, without people to transport all of our goods and uh, needs across this great country, uh, without you, you guys are the backbone of what we do, and uh, we're glad we can bring you some content and keep you on the road and keep you safe. Couldn't say it better than that, Jay. So, yeah, Kurt, just keep listening and spread the word. Uh, tell your fellow, you know, fellow uh, brethren truck drivers out there about us, and uh, you can spread the word again. Like I said, all right. Well, that's it for the mailbag, Jay. Um, so um, that's it. That's a pretty good mailbag. Anybody wants to send us anything, uh, I wanted to remind you guys that you can send it to us directly at the Dark Fringe at gmail.com against the dark fringe at gmail.com so uh, if you want to yeah suggestions for a guest uh, you have any content suggestions anything at all questions comments um, complaints anything above you send it there so pretty simple so that's it for the intro on the mailbag jay uh, we're going to get into the uh, meat and potatoes of the podcast and get into cryptids uh, and um, for those that don't know what cryptids are those are basically different types of humanoid creatures that roam around the world that many of us don't know about that may be legend, may be true, who knows, but we're going to be getting into that tonight and talk about some some maybe more known and some unknown cryptids that uh, you may know about. So again, sit back, listen, and hope you guys enjoy. Hi, I'm Dylan Sicoccio. I'm the author of Spirit World, The Definitions, and The Tale of Anor, and you're listening to Dark Fringe Radio. guys thanks and welcome back to dark fringe radio tonight we're going to be getting into cryptids uh cryptids uh, it's a very interesting topic that was actually a topic that was uh suggested to us by a listener in a mailbag uh segment that we had a few weeks ago jay we thought it was really interesting and we wanted to kind of pick apart maybe about you know three apiece between me and jay you know different cryptids around the world uh that you know maybe some may know and some may other may not know so some uh, really interesting uh, topics we're going to talk about tonight, some interesting creatures. So we're going to start off with Jay tonight. Jay, what do you have for tonight, starting off with the cryptids? Well, I'm going to start off with probably the most well-known one, uh, certainly the one that has the biggest following and the biggest believers in its existence. Uh, it's found all over the world. It goes by all kinds of names, uh, but we know it here in America as Bigfoot. Uh, you know, the so-called missing link or possible missing link, this thing that has been eluding our uh, our gaze for so long. There's p- 
pop-up retail stores. There's fake-ass documentaries on History Channel, or I guess just History Now. Uh, <laughs> you've got people saying that it could be anything from an orangutan to so many things. Uh, you know, Bigfoot, is, it's, it's interesting because it's something that we heard a lot. Obviously, it's like the first monster you hear of is Bigfoot. Uh, and especially us growing up in the 80s, then you had the monster truck Bigfoot, which only made it that much more interesting. Absolutely. And, and then you you see the, like, the plaster footprints and uh, how many people have gone out looking for it or have heard the, the branches break, was walking behind in the woods. There's It's such a monumental, such an instrumental uh, of this this topic, these mythical creatures. Um, and I think it's the one that's probably most interesting to me because it's the one that's the closest to really humanoid. Um, you know, if you watch some of those video footage, how it moves, how it acts, uh, it could very easily be the next gap between us and apes. Yeah, it could very well. Um, it could very well may be. Do you think, Jay, though, um, that since there's so many different variations all over around the world, that gives it much that much more credibility for it existing? No. Really? Okay. Explain. Uh, so, every video I watched, obviously some of the first video clips were, were grainy and almost impossible to really tell. Uh, I know somebody at, at one point had come up saying they, they had hoaxed as the Bigfoot. You know, like everything else, you gotta you got to look out for people who are doing something silly, doing something sneaky, or doing something that isn't real. Uh, and the, the most recent, the two most recent things that, that pop up uh, to me is, first off, there was a documentary on uh, the History Channel called, I believe it was Capturing Sasquatch. Yeah, that's correct. And it was found to be uh, more scripted than reality. Uh, a lot of those things were set up. It came to nothing. It, it just, it was a huge debacle. Actually, the History Channel has tried to since uh, cover up and 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 scrub out of their their history, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, take it out of the tape rotation, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's history trying to erase history. Was that thing? It's amazing. Isn't um, it? <laughs> one of the most recent, one of the most recent uh, videos that's out there is actually a video. It's called the Seneca Lake footage. Have you seen this, Will? No, not at all. All right, so it's like the trail camera is set up. And it's this perfect little walking trail that you can see. And out of nowhere, the Sasquatch walks out across the and just kind of slowly, like, lumbers across the street, right? Right. So, or across this little trail. And then the guy comes back in, and he's, like, measuring this foot. It was, like, like a six-foot foot print. <laughs> and Really? He's like, yeah. And, oh, and this thing's. It's going to have a, you know, a six-foot-long stride. And, and if you watch the video, there's no way it took a six-foot stride. Right. Like, that's a, that's a ginormous step. It was, like, it was like 10 feet tall. It didn't look 10 feet tall. In fact, it looks like somebody kind of uh, dressed in, like, a Muppet suit, if I'm honest. Oh, no. Like, it was Or, like, one of, those, those, was, one of those gully suits like they use in the Army? Kind of. Kind of, maybe with some, like, hair stuck on it. But it's... It was obviously, to what I saw, like, I didn't believe it. Right. So, I've yet to see anything that swayed me towards believing that Bigfoot is real. Uh, for me, nobody's ever found bones, which at some point we would have found skeletons. We've found skeletons, things like Tyrannosaurus and things like that. We would have found Bigfoot bones. We've never found a single Bigfoot bone. There's no skeleton that's ever been uh, recovered. They've never really been seen or captured in the wild like any other wildlife. So for me, it's mythical. It's it's genesis of getting into the world of the the cryptid, but I don't think it exists. So you don't think it exists. So do you think maybe more that it may be falling on the spiritual side, maybe on the folkloric side, especially because where the Bigfoot really originates from is the 
you know, the Native American, um, you know, belief where they think skinwalker. it's... Yeah, exactly. It's a skinwalker. You know, that's why the, the name Sasquatch, where it comes from, that's where they call it in Indian or the Native American uh, tongue. Um, but yeah, I mean, maybe it's a spirit-like animal. Who knows? Do you think? I mean, that's an angle I've never thought about. I, I, yeah, that's I think... a very interesting angle to think about. I, I mean, that's, I don't know. Um, you know, I kind of go into these thinking, are they more legend based on hearsay or is there, could there be something to this? You know, the ones that kind of have interesting and invoking stories. I didn't really think about the spiritual aspect of any of them. And I mean, it's a possibility. It's a possibility. Things have happened. Yeah. Or you know what? It could be just stories passed down from, you know, ancestor to ancestor. And we know for a fact back in the day, you know, millions of years ago, you know, they had the short-faced bear that roamed around in North America, and that thing was, like, on its hind legs, like 20, 25 feet tall. So, I mean, right. <laughs> you know, something like that would be considered, like, a Sasquatch, something scary like that, right? Of course, right? Uh, well, of course. I mean, and you also have to think about it like this. And I was actually thinking about, I was listening to a uh, documentary earlier uh, on... Uh, the Loch Ness Monster, and the more I got to thinking about it, it's it's interesting. Uh, to me, that's a really interesting thought because much like we like entertainment now, uh, who knows if some of these stories or even those cave drawings weren't our ancestors telling stories, telling fables, telling like it has like we have theater, we have movies, we have uh, you know. Games, we have things to take our attention. It could be just a story, just like Hercules, just like, uh, you know, any, anything like that. So really, it could have been like the horror stories of our ancestors. Talking about the Sasquatch and the Bigfoot and the Yeti, and, and they're, coming up with these, they're coming up with these creatures. And of course, as those children grow up, you go in kind of with some of those, those, those presets already in your mind, and then you see this, like a small, the small-faced bear, you, I could see where that kind of what started off as fake has started to kind of become questionable or legend right. due to entertainment. Yeah, it could be. I mean, that's another great take that I didn't think about, too. It could be, you know, just be our imaginations that we gave legend to in our imagination from many thousands of years ago. Um, you know, that's a very interesting take, too. So that's cool, man. You know, I've always loved the the idea of Bigfoot. I mean, again, it's it's a hard it's a hard sale for me just for the same reasons you talked about too, Jay, you know, all these years now that we've advanced in technology, we can do DNA, you know, evidence, uh, you know, tracking and tracing and, you know, examinations we weren't able to do like in the sixties and seventies. Um, you know, we've not encountered anything like that. No hair samples, no nothing, you know, and, uh, you know, it's hard. It's hard to find. You say that you're going to find bones too, because the the woods is a very unforgiving place. Even your bones get scattered over time. You know what I mean? Just with the animals that are in the uh, in the wildlife. So I mean, they just pick away at you little by little. Right. But we found complete skeletons of other animals. That's true too. You're right. We we've never found one single bone from a Bigfoot. You know, the closest thing we have really is what that plaster foot that was cast like back in the 60s right and uh and when you look at the scale and the size of it again you're talking about 20 25 foot creature whatever i've seen it says like seven to eight feet tall and it, it i don't want again i don't i don't like imagining or assuming people are out up to no good <laughs> but if you come up with something like this right or, or you go intentionally looking for something like this one could lead to the conclusion that to get the fame and attention that they might be seeking, they would do something a little bit kind of, I don't know, shady as fuck. <laughs> Nefarious. To uh, take advantage of the situation. Yeah, it's been it's happened in our history. So uh, you know why wouldn't it happen in this you know scenario? So um, you know, point well taken. Definitely though, the J. All right, well, let's move on to the next one and. Um, I'm going to talk about the Honey Island Swamp Monster, Jay. Now, this is a very interesting one to <laughs> me. <laughs> and it's uh, the, the Honey Island Swamp Monster is a humanoid cryptid that's uh, it's been reported 
and seen around the Honey Island Swamp of Louisiana since the early 1960s. It was first reported in 1963 when two fishermen, Harlan Ford and his friend Billy Mills, were searching for an abandoned cabin and they spotted a uh, you know a deep like crevice down you know this um, the side of this wall and all of a sudden um, you know he said that he saw this huge just animal looking back at him. Um, the friends you know reached for a clearing when they spotted the creature, um, so they kind of got out of the way, but they just kept his eye on him and uh, they just kept this eye contact you know with this thing and they were just kind of mesmerized just looking at it, Jay. Uh, that's and that's how they were describing. They were describing the creature. Um, Ford, he just you know, he said that it was like nothing he had seen before. It was like ugly and sinister looking, something from like a horror movie. And um, in 1974, Ford and Mills returned to the area on a duck hunting trip, and the two found several dead boars in their um, their throats, just completely torn out um, along the way. Now, um, then they realized that the boars were too far away from the water to have been killed by alligators, because that, that's the only thing that can kill a boar out there is an alligator. So for them to figure out, okay, you have these boars here that their throats are completely ripped out, but they're nowhere near water. That's not an alligator. So that's when they kind of, you know, put two and two together. Um, and they were suspicious of, you know, what was going around in that area. And from every since on, you know, there's been the, uh, the legend of the honey Island swamp monster. And, uh, you know, people are constantly trying to, you know, capture this thing just like big, Bigfoot Jay. They're trying to catch, you know, you know, plaster footprints, um, they're trying to put, you know, trail cams and trying to, you know, find some type of footage of them. But they describe this thing as like a reptilian. It's like a half reptilian, half like ape monster thing. So it's not like a full ape. It's like half reptilian, half ape. Say then they say it's about seven and a half foot tall and it weighs between four and five hundred pounds. And um, it's also known as Louisiana. That's a big ass this breed. Exactly, exactly. And imagine something like that you you know encounter in the woods. And it's also known as the Louisiana Wookie. And it's uh, covered in a thick coat of, like, matted gray and brown hair, like swamp weed. Um, and so they said this primitive creature, you know, has long been blamed for deaths of livestock, uh, mysterious disappearances of children in the area. A lot of the lore of, you know, what the people talk about in the region is that the Honey Island Swamp Monster uh, might be a product of a uni- union between a chimpanzee and an alligator. So <laughs> they think something well, may well, have I happened. Why call it a big breed? Yeah, there you go. So you know, got jungle fever. Got something. Got jungle fever. So yeah, you got this really odd man creature out here in Louisiana woods in swamps, man. That's just really, uh, it's it's a legend, and everybody knows about it. Everybody talks about it, and a lot of people see it all the time. Um, I have a quick video here, Jay. I want to play real quick, if you don't mind talking about that, okay? New Orleans is best known for its food and festivities. People come from all over the country to enjoy the rich culture of the Big Easy. But just an hour away is a small town that some people believe is hiding a deep, dark secret. Located in Slidell, Louisiana, is an area called the Honey Island Swamp. Now, it's approximately 250 square miles and is home to all kinds of wildlife. But people that make a living there and hunt in its woods say there's something else lurking in the muddy waters of the Honey Island Swamp. It walks upright, uh, the shoulders are rounded off, square in the back. The face doesn't have hair on it. In the cheeks or the forehead or around the nose, uh, down part of the chin, it's just skin, no hair. Like I said, they say it's fast, loose, moves fast, gets out of the way fast. What I saw scared the life out of me. I was face to face with, I didn't know if it was man or beast. Be perfectly honest with you. I mean, I I'd never seen anything like this before in my life. It had a head and a face like a man, and a body like a an animal. The legend of the Honey Island Swamp Monster dates back to 1963. A pair of wild game hunters claimed that they encountered a huge and unusual creature in the woods. Ten years later, one of the men. Harlan Ford said that he found gigantic footprints in the mud. Believing that they came from the elusive creature, he made a plaster cast of the tracks as proof. Now this was the first documentation of the mysterious creature, and with that, the legend of the Honey Island Swamp Monster was born. My grandpa said what he remembered most was the big amber-colored eyes, 
He said it stood upright and it had the long arms, and, but it was very hairy, long, dingy hair, like a grayish. Sometimes they say it's like a gray, muddy look, and some people have said it had a reddish tint to it. And my grandfather poured the first plaster castings that were studied by cryptozoologists. Ford's granddaughter, Dana Holyfield, and her husband, Terrell Evans, live right next to the swamp and say people are always contacting them with their own harrowing experiences with the Honey Island Swamp Monster. Last year, Dana decided to make her own documentary, The Legend of the Honey Island Swamp Monster. The film examines the evidence of eyewitness reports from people that claim that they have encountered this mysterious creature. I felt like something was looking at me. You ever get that feeling of where something's staring at you? See, a bear is more like round in his back, and this, this thing had like a flat back with the shoulders, and that's, that's when I knew it wasn't a bear. But once I seen that, I knew it was time to change my mind about whatever I had plans anyway. My first instinct maybe was a deer or something, but it just, it didn't look right. Well, it actually, when it, it come across the canal, it actually looked like it was walking across the bottom of the canal, you know? Well, it got up on the other side and just kind of shook its hair off. It, it looked like kind of like a person, and it went on across. But the most compelling evidence was yet to come. The footage you are seeing right now was shot by Dana's grandfather on Super 8 movie reel film. She discovered the footage while filming her documentary. Her grandmother claims it was shot in the late 1970s. Now, if you look closely, there appears to be a hairy, Bigfoot-like creature walking amongst the trees. He was in a tree blind, and there's something that crosses through the swamp on foot, but you could tell it's not human, it's hairy. While making her documentary, Dana and her husband discovered fresh tracks in the woods. This track was uh, a more recent track we found in Peach Lake area when we a hunter had been out there, a fisherman called in, called Terrell, and told us that they had found some tracks. These are the three-toed, and this is a little fourth, the little fourth thing on the side, that, but they're all, they kind of, they look a little web, like it could possibly swim. A cryptozoologist that we, that examined them, um, Lloyd Pye, said, but by the shape of it, he thought it could climb. Dana's father, Dan Holyfield, says that he also came face to face with the Honey Island Swamp Monster back in the late 1980s. One night after returning home from a turkey hunting trip, Dan says that he hit something with his boat. At first, he thought it was simply a log, but after shining his light in the water, he discovered it was something else. I was just was so confused. I thought, you know, I done run over somebody and hurt it. When it stood up, it looked like a human being, you know, and it looked like it had an overcoat or something on or some kind of coat, you know. And many more claim to have had a run-in with the monster. I believe in this thing, but it's elusive. You know, it didn't, it, it wasn't in a swamp. I'm 51 years old. I've heard it probably a half a dozen times total. Seen tracks two dozen times that are similar, you know, tracks that, that are believable, that you can't fake. Everybody looks for the monster. It's not a monster. And if it was, it'd probably be easier to track. So, if it's, it's more man than what we think it is. But still, not everyone is convinced. Skeptics say that until the mystery creature is captured, the truth will never be known. Let me track you in here about a mile and a half and uh, build you a little fire. I'll give you, uh, leave you with some piano sausage and some snicker bars and I'll come back and get you tomorrow morning. Then tell me how skeptical you are. So what do you think about the Honey Island yeah, Swamp Monster? I, I mean, it's interesting. It's, uh, those people sound fairly convinced. Yeah. Um, I'd never heard of it. I've never seen any video or pictures of it. So, I mean, possibly. Why not? Possibly. Yeah, you might be right. I mean, you know, there's a lot of eyewitnesses there, and they, they seem pretty convinced that, you know, they saw what they saw. So, again, you know, interesting. I'm um, suspect of the guy that was out, out there in the 80s, though. I mean, <laughs> out in the woods. And, uh, I mean, come on. Coming back I from might, a turkey hunt? Had a little toot toot or something. I mean, come on. Yeah, he was coming back from a turkey hunt. Is that what they call it these days? That's what they call it these days. Well, at least that's what they call it in the 80s, man. So, that's uh that's oh, yeah. that's what I call the uh end of the Honey Island Swamp Monster. So um you know that's uh my one for tonight. Jay, what's your next one for tonight? Oh, well, the next one uh will your 
you're a Latino. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so keeping you with your uh, your Latin theme there, uh, the next one I had is the chupacabra. 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 Yeah, interesting uh, uh, cryptid. To... Huh? Interesting cryptid. Please talk to us, Jay. So chupacabra actually translates directly to goat sucker, uh, which is where the chupacabra got its beginning actually in Puerto Rico. Uh, most said to be like five to six feet in height. And this is one of the most interesting ones because there's two different versions of the chupacabra. Uh, the first one that was the first one to be eyewitness or uh, spoken about was almost more reptilian. Uh, they said it had large, powerful legs, long canines, spikes down its back, uh, and had glowing red eyes. Of course, everything's going to have glowing red eyes. All of them to. have glowing red eyes. Of course. I mean, duh. It has to be creepy. has to be creepy. Otherwise, what the fuck are we doing here? Exactly. What's going to have nice, soft, uh, velvet eyes? I mean, no, of course. It's going to have red, creepy eyes. Red, of course. I oh, had, had blue eyes, like the diamonds, the <laughs> eye of a star. No, it's got red eyes because it has to scare the shit out of you. Of course. Uh, so the first sighting was actually in Puerto Rico in 1995. Uh, as it was described, it was bipedal. Uh, and then as time kind of went on, the, the person that had eyewitnessed it kind of went quiet. In 2000 is when it kind of changed more to the more common chupacabra, more of this, uh, like a, a dog, like a hairless dog or a canine or a wolf. Um, you know, and there have been a few examples of that particular chupacabra found. Uh, but all of them have been found to be some kind of fuckery. Right. Yes, they're, 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 they're fake. Um, that being said, their first real instance of the dog chupacabra uh, was a, uh, a family of, of farmers had come out and all of their sheep had been killed, but they had been bitten in the neck. Right. Uh, much more like a, a vampire than really a dog, and, and sucked out the blood of the of the goat. Right. There has been some uh, some speculation on whether that was chupacabra or just a, a couple of coyotes that had a severe case of mange, which is actually what some of the examples of the chupacabra that have been found were. Right. Yeah. So you, I, you have to you have to wonder was that or was it more the uh, supernatural, maybe slightly demonic and spiritual, hairless dog that roams out in the wilderness, majorly out in uh, out in Spanish America, out in uh, Puerto Rico. Yeah, that's uh, it's an interesting um, cryptid because it was wildly popular in the early two thousands and um, late, you know, nineteen nineties, and um, like you said, it's. Um, it it has different you know connotations to people like some people thought it may have been like a, a you know a demonic spirit kind of thing like you said and some people thought it was just like you know some really type of you know cryptid um they weren't sure um but uh, another thing that i kind of like wanted to like mention though there is a, like some type of um base military base on the island of puerto rico and a lot of uh, military research happens on that base it's in the um, side of vieques in puerto rico and a lot of people speculate that the chupacabra was uh, maybe a accidentally released um you know animal that was being you know uh, worked on in this laboratory in that base so uh, that's another little you know you know corner there that uh you know a lot of people speculate and uh, talk about too that that's uh, maybe where the origin of this uh, you know particular creature comes from. I uh, could be. Uh, I was, I thought it most interesting that the the two are so so different. You know, one's more reptilian and stands up more bipedal. The other one's more like a dog. So I thought it was interesting. And the the woman that um, first reported it actually did eventually come out and say that she got the characteristics more from a horror movie that she had loved as a child. Ah, I see. Yeah, so that's where maybe the um, nefarious uh, description comes into play. But who knows? I mean, you know, again, it's a very interesting uh, topic because 
not only do you hear about it in Puerto Rico, you hear about it over here in the United States as well, like in Texas and other you know southern states. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it could be. Again, this is where things slightly differ for me between like this and the Bigfoot that I don't really believe it exists. Right. Uh, the Chupacabra, I kind of on the fence up because there could be, or a Chupacabra could have been seen or witnessed by someone who didn't really realize it was a chupacabra, uh, you know, more, more of a cryptide that not maybe a demonic or spiritual, but it might just be a, a weird hairless version of the wolf that prefers to, uh, drink blood. Yeah, it could be definitely. I mean, it's, and like you said earlier, a lot of these cases have come back where they are coyotes that have mange. Um, so they are, you know, easily mistake for some kind of weird ass creature because when an animal like that has mange, all their hair falls out and they look, you know, mm-hmm. they have no hair. So imagine seeing a hairless coyote. I mean, you're going to be like, what the fuck is that? You know what I mean? I've never seen anything like that in my life. Yes. I mean, that's, that's kind of what I'm thinking. I, yeah. I think, I, for me, it's more, it's definitely the more of the plausible one, but I kind of still think it's just wolves with mange. Yeah, I think so too. But let's go to the video, man. I got one for the Chupacabra as well. Let's uh, let's see what they have here. Hold on a second, okay? Oh, yeah, yeah. Here are the facts. A terrifying force allegedly haunts Puerto Rico, leaving trails of mutilated livestock in its wake. It's called El Chupacabra, the goat sucker. Since the first official sighting in 1987, people across the Americas have claimed to see this monster. The legend is spread across two continents and the Caribbean, but no one's sure what it is. Some say it looks like a hairless coyote or a gigantic reptile, that it moves by hopping like a kangaroo. Its eyes supposedly glow red in the darkness. Some people even claim the monster can fly or become invisible. The story grows more outlandish with each passing year. Most people don't think the chupacabra is real. A large predator probably couldn't avoid detection for this long. Most cryptozoologists believe the chupacabra is a hoax. When I visited Puerto Rico, people thought of the chupacabra as a kind of national mascot, not an actual monster. But others throughout Latin America swear the chupacabra exists. Cattle mutilations reportedly accompany sightings of the beast. Although the first official reports of chupacabra attacks came from Puerto Rico, indigenous tribes across South and Central America share ancient legends of similar vampiric creatures. But again, how could such a large creature remain hidden? Some conspiracy theorists admit it couldn't, at least not without help. Here's where it gets crazy. What if the chupacabra never existed until a few decades ago? A surprisingly large part of Puerto Rico's population believes the chupacabra is an escaped U.S. experiment. The U.S. Army, they say, created chupacabras and lost control of the creatures. Once these creatures broke out of the lab, they behaved like an invasive species dominating the local ecosystem, sort of like kudzu in the U.S. or the cane toad in Australia. But both kudzu and cane toads are highly visible, so why haven't we seen swarms of chupacabra? And what about the experiment angle? It seems unlikely, but consider this. The U.S. Army has experimented in Puerto Rico before, testing bombs on some islands and allegedly dosing the population with birth control. And during World War II in the Pacific, the U.S. Army left corpses drained of blood to terrify Japanese soldiers and bolster rumors of a local monster. This proves that the U.S. is capable of hijinks, at least in the realm of psychological warfare. It's understandable that Puerto Rican citizens wouldn't trust the U.S. government. Another group of theorists believe the chupacabra is an alien. What appears to be a string of attacks is actually some otherworldly scientific expedition. For evidence, these theorists cite the eerie nature of the attacks. They allege that organs and genitalia are often removed with surgical precision and that reports of UFO activity coincide with the attacks. Some researchers think the incidents are related. They believe the chupacabra is an alien force, and they also believe the U.S. government is trying to catch it. This belief went public several years ago, when a journalist in Argentina claimed that several chupacabra-like creatures were sighted in a local mine, and an armed task force from NASA came to investigate. Unfortunately for these theorists, there is currently no proof of their claim. Yet the question remains, what is the chupacabra? I don't know, man. That seems pretty interesting. Uh, there's a there's a lot of angles it comes from. Yeah. That's the thing that makes this one so interesting is, its existence, its image, its origins. There's so many options. There's so many kind of little paths to follow. It makes a really uh, really neat thing to pontificate about. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, that's uh, that's a great cryptid there, Jay. And uh, thanks for uh, you know mentioning that one. 
What I wanted to uh, go ahead and, and talk about next, Jay, is the Chicago Mothman. Now, um, I'm not sure. Are you familiar with the original Mothman uh, sightings in Silver Springs back in the 60s, I believe? Uh, I believe so. I, I mean, I'm not uh, I'm not super familiar with them. Like, I don't know them on, like, a first-name basis. Uh, but, you know, I've seen their face <laughs> on the way to the cafe. <laughs> yeah, well, the, the legend has it is back in, like, 1967, I believe it was, back in Silver Springs, Michigan, I think it was, um, if I'm not mistaken. They had this particular river or I'm sorry, this bridge that collapsed, but before it collapsed, many people say that they had seen a flying like owl like creature, um, you know, perched on the top of the bridge, almost like a, like a bad omen right before it happening. So, um, yeah. So they say that they see this, uh, mothman creature right before this bridge collapse and this bridge, when it collapsed, it killed like hundreds of people. It was a very horrible incident. And, uh, that happened in that particular city. And unfortunately that's all it's known for. And, um, now they're saying that they see this particular cryptid in Chicago. Now, um, in 2017, there was like a triple sighting in like a three day period, um, in the Chicago area. Um, that, and that was, um, actually, uh, MUFON had actually MUFON for uh, those that don't know. It's, um, it's the organization that, uh, researches, uh, UFOs and like all these kind of different things that people report seeing, in the community. So, um, there's an actual organization that does that. And, um, so they're reporting that they have had witnesses come to them in a three day span. And it's pretty, pretty interesting here, Jay. So these cases took actually, I'm sorry, this all happened within a four hour period in 2017, Jay. So let, let's, let's, let's go to the, you motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> so, did yeah. I heard that. You, I got you, it. I got you it. Gave some misinformation and then I <laughs> called you a, a yeah. <laughs> well, let's start with the first case. A witness, a witness was out on Lake Michigan, very popular area in Chicago, if you're not familiar with that, uh, with her husband and two other couples celebrating a friend's birthday. Uh, lady quote on saying, we were out about two miles on the lake off of Monterose about 10 p.m. at night, the witness said. And uh, we were enjoying ourselves when I happened to look up and saw what looked like a giant bat. Uh, but not like a fox bat. I looked up and I saw it was like the biggest bat that I've ever seen. And uh, the bat was as tall as my husband, uh, who is about six foot four inches tall or even bigger. Uh, the witness described the creature. It was solid black with eyes that seemed to reflect the moonlight. Um, this bat was blacker than the surrounding night sky and was perfectly silhouetted against the moonlit sky. Uh, the bat was circled. Uh, I'm sorry. The bat circled the boat three times in a complete silence before heading off towards Montrose. And then it quickly blended into the night sky, and then it was gone in seconds. So that was uh, that. And then five minutes after seeing the creature, the same witness saw a bright green object traveling north to south at, on the horizon. Uh, it wasn't a plane. It was uh, a brilliant green light that was moving slowly across the horizon. Uh, and she said, if I had to estimate, that it was about two miles from her position. Uh, so after the object was out of her sight... Uh, she said she, she just sat there looking around in just, you know, stunned silence. Uh, she said that she began feeling uh, this overwhelming sensation of dread. And she told her husband that she had felt that, you know, it was prudent to get off the water as quickly as possible. Yeah, she tried to get a picture of the thing as it circled the boat, but it was all in black, unfortunately. So there was nothing that she could capture. So um, 30 minutes later, this is another case. A witness was hanging out uh, with, you know, his friends and his local just establishment and as they were coming out around 10 30 at night uh they were t talking about work and families and all that stuff and they heard like what sounded like bird flapping wings and um one of his friends yelled out said hey look it's a huge lechuza over the road and just for you guys who don't know lechuza in uh that's spanish for like an owl or like a bird and um it's also like a um like a mexican you know folkloric legend um, about an old woman who could turn into like a, uh, a bird. <laughs> I know it sounds weird, but, um, uh, that's what it is. And, um, so they said they walked over there and saw what it looked like it was a big owl and they walked up to it and it stood up on two feet. It looked right at them and they saw what looked like a huge, like they said, a lechuza and except it was about six feet tall and really big and had these like huge, large glowing, of course, again, Jay, red eyes that were completely freaking everybody out. Uh, they all yelled and the thing took oh, off, of course, of course. Uh, they yelled and everything, you know, and the thing took off in the midair and just took off and 
you know, flew away. So that was uh, that point. And then the third report that occurred at two o'clock in the morning. Um, and the person said that they arrived from work around two o'clock at the Chicago International Produce Market just off Damon. Um, and that's a pretty popular area. Uh, in Chicago as well. And as they walked across the parking lot uh, and a bunch of guys, about four to five guys were staring up at the sky, uh, the witness stated. And I looked up and I saw the biggest freaking owl I've ever seen. Uh, it it must've been six foot to seven foot tall. They were guessing. And it was completely black except for having these bright yellowish reddish eyes like a cat. And, uh, the witness described the creature and it stood there for a minute, just staring at everybody before just, you know, shooting up into the sky and disappearing and it made everybody feel really uneasy. And then it took off um, after some guys threw some rocks at it. And it had wings on it. It looked like an owl. Just bigger than what you could, you know, so big that you could hear the flap of the wings when it took off. So uh, those are pretty interesting eyewitnesses uh, to, you know, in a four-hour period, Jay. I mean, that's pretty, pretty, pretty intimidating. I don't know. I mean, whatever they were seeing, they were all seeing the same thing. Uh that's a, that's a lot of sightings in one really short period. It's kind of leads to some credence to it. It's yeah, I mean, especially, I kind of, especially it's a little bit different when, when I guess you started when you started ex- describing it, and now I'm kind of imagining like a giant owl bird with like laser eyes. Yeah, uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I wouldn't want to come across one. That's for damn sure. No, I mean, I mean, listen, Chicago's already scary enough. I mean, the streets out there, and now you're gonna have to worry about this giant owl mothman thing that's just flying around with these glowing red eyes. I mean, you know, it's it's Chicago's an intimidating area to be around in the first place. Now you have this thing running around. You don't even know what's going on. It's pretty pretty scary, yeah, man. No thanks. Yeah, no, no, no thanks. So, uh, Jay, what do you got next on your uh, your list here? Well, for my final one, uh, to me, this this is the most interesting one. It's Certainly one of the more uh, or lesser well-known ones. It's called the Altai or the Altamahaha, you know, which is... That was uh, good, Jay. Native... Huh? That was a good one. That was good. You did it right. That was awesome. I, I've been practicing it for like three days. Altamahaha. <laughs> Altamahaha. How? Altamahaha. <laughs> there's like a dash in there, and the dash don't be silent. So Altamahaha. Ha. Ha. Uh, I almost like they're laughing at us. So the Altai or the Altamahaha uh, is more from a Georgia folklore. So it's, it's really rural. It's really close to us here in Florida. Um, and you don't hear a lot about a lot of cryptides out in the middle of Georgia. No. So that makes it, that makes it stand out. Um, this is a sea, cre- a sea creature. This is one that's known to uh, habitate this small lake area where three different rivers run together. Uh, and this being the, the most common place that's been sighted, uh, that's where they named that after the Altamahaha uh, Lake. So this, this creature, it likes to have the small brackish waters, making it really hard to see, making it really hard to find. Uh, it's described as having the body of a sturgeon with a bony ridge on top, wide front fins, no hind appendages, and it swims more like a dolphin, but has the snout of a crocodile. Uh, that's not something I want to be trying to reel into my boat. You know what I mean? No, not at all. No, that's not at all. Not for me. So this Altamaha has been known to uh, bask itself and sunbathe on the shore. It's been known to be defensive around boats when being witnessed. It has been witnessed by Native Americans from the 1850s all the way up to 2000. In fact, there was a, uh, a body of one of these Altamahahas found on a riverbed. Um, and, but then someone came out and said that it was actually just a joke. It was a, it was a dead shark with some paper mache around it to make oh. it look like the Altamaha. Oh. Uh, douche. Wah, wah, wah. Wah, wah, wah. That's... <laughs> uh, <laughs> that we just did that at the same time completely yeah. unplanned folks <laughs> yeah so this... I thought that was an interesting one because it's it's not quite Loch Ness Monster it's a little less well known it's here right in Georgia it's a water one it was the only one I did of the water cryptides and I, out of those honestly it's the water ones the ones I think have the most 
uh, the best chance of being possibly real, uh, only because when it comes to water, we're so in net. Oh, uh, we are really not built for the water. We can't, even, even with radar and, and scanners like that, you can go over the same area three times and get three different readings back because it's just the water itself, the lack of light, how a sound travels differently. It's, it's the one area we can't say we really fully checked. No, uh, no, because no. Because we're not equipped to fully check it. Absolutely not. It's it's funny because um, a dive instructor once told me, he goes, don't ever forget that you are always going to be the slowest thing in the water. I'm like, fuck. Yeah, man. I'm like, fuck. Really? Yeah, man. You had to remind me of that shit? Really? You had to remind me that I'm the <laughs> slowest thing in this fucking body of you know existence. Of course, water. That I'm the slowest thing in here. Everything else is faster. Yep. Yeah, not good. Not good. Well, but, that... but in truth, how many things are humans faster than on land? That's true. That is true. You're right. There's a lot of things that are faster us on land. That's true. For me, the big difference is that when we're on land, we're built to be on land. We can hold our own. Exactly. In the water, we are totally at the mercy. We're not juking anybody in the water. <laughs> Hell no. Nah, there's no spin moves. No, there's, there's no, no. There's no, uh, you know, right stick. <laughs> no, there's no, no. There's no crossovers. There's nothing. So, yeah, no, that's a great one, Jay. And uh, thanks for bringing that one up. I've never actually even heard of it before. Uh, that's that's really awesome. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to chalk that. It out. It's a neat looking, it's a neat looking creature. It's a very interesting read. It's a very interesting area. Some of the Native American uh, documents on it, or not documents, but uh, their stories uh, about it are, are quite an interesting read. I'd suggest anybody go check it out, just if not to have something fantastical to read about. Yeah, no, that's great. Absolutely. So listen, the last one I wanted to bring up uh, for tonight is actually, it's not really a cryptid. It's actually an animal that actually did exist, but it happened to exist uh, millions of years ago. And I wanted to bring it up because... Unicorns! Well, no, not unicorns, um, but it's called Titanoboa. And Titanoboa is one of the largest snakes that ever existed in the world. Now, um... (laughs) For me, you know, we, we've seen movies like Anaconda and stuff like that, you know, throughout the years. And, you know, those are great. And, you know, it's 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 entertainment. But to really, really think about, you know, encountering, let's say, a 40-foot snake. You know what I mean? Something that squeezed the life out of you and not a problem. You know, it's something to really think about that it existed here on Earth. Now, um, the uh, Titana Oboa, it's the world's largest snake and the enormous serpent of legend that thrived the tropical jungles of South America, um, some say about 5 million years ago. So that's what they're estimating. So it was probably, you know, uh, you know, around right around the same time, you know, the extinction of the dinosaurs. But the um, the death of the, you know, giant reptiles left a vacuum for, you know, on the food chain because there was no more dinosaurs. So they say that's where this particular snake kind of, um, you know, got bigger and higher up on the food train chain, excuse me. And, um, you know, the thickest part of the actual snake, just to give it some type of description is, was about three foot wide, Jay. That's just like one of the thickest parts of the snake. So to me, swallow me whole without a problem. Exactly. And, um, uh, you know, in the, you know, hot and humid jungle of, the, you know, South American, you know, climate and atmosphere, that was a perfect, you know, breeding ground for a snake of that size. You know, it's brown skin. It was camouflaged perfectly in the, you know, in the swamp. And, uh, you know, some scientists think it killed by constricting, of course, like an anaconda would, you know, you know, sucking the life out of you and the, the, the breath out of you, basically. And uh, but some others say that it, it was so big that it could just literally swallow you whole, like you just said, Jay, um, just because of its stunning size and, you know, and, and its capability of doing that. The crazy thing is, is that they actually discovered the species of snake literally like 20 years ago, Jay. Um, there was, yep. this, yeah, it was crazy because this guy found this, um, found uh, all these bones, these prehistoric bones of this actual snake. And um, they took it up to a lab and they figured out it was a new species of snake and it was 40 foot long. And that's just crazy to me because if you imagine like now they find like these giant anacondas, you know, in, you know, the jungle now and we see pictures of them like, holy shit, like, look, you know, there's a 15 or 20 foot, you know, anaconda. We're talking about a 40. We're talking about something twice the size of that, Jay, like something like literally the size, size, twice the thickness. Imagine just how, how wide that snake would be. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, the thickness of it alone would be longer than the width, like the length of your arm from your shoulder all the way out to the tip. That's what they're saying. And that's for a grown adult. Could, yeah. You know, human. It could swallow me sideways. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it, it's crazy because they, like I said, they literally discovered this back in like 2000, 2002. Uh, they f- found all these fossils, you know, and the, you know, they realized that this thing actually existed. They don't, there's only one other one that... Uh, I think it's called uh, Gigantopith uh, is another one that they found that was a little bit bigger than that. But that's pretty much the only one that may be bigger than that. But that was like even millions and m- more millions of years ago. But that's, you know, just crazy to think that there was an animal roaming around this earth of that sheer size. And what it could do just to like, say, for instance, a village of people like I, I don't care. I don't care how long ago we lived. I mean. We were only fighting with rocks and shit. You know what I mean? Imagine going against a big snake like that and not having any kind of like edge type weapons or anything like that. No, thanks. Yeah, no, no, no. And so, I mean, to me, I just wanted to kind of bring this one up because I thought it was just a a very interesting creature to know that it actually existed. Uh, We know for a fact it existed. And, you know, I don't know, man. The jungle's the jungle. You know, a lot of it's un unexplored it's hard to see through a lot of those it's there's a lot of things hidden in that jungle there's a lot of things uh that we can't see underneath i canopy right uh so i mean if there's gonna be a 40 foot snake out there it wouldn't shock me <laughs> no it wouldn't shock me either yeah so again the uh they estimated it to be around a thousand pounds jay um and uh it's it just a anywhere from 35 to 40 foot in length. And it's just an amazing creature. So just wanted to bring that one up for the, uh, the wrap up for the rest of the, the cryptids for tonight. And uh, that's it for that. And uh, we'll go into our outro tonight. Jay, do you have anything for what to watch for us for this week? Uh, honestly, my what to watch. Uh, if you go on, it's a documentary you can find streaming on almost any platform. And it's a documentary on Franklin Delano Roosevelt uh, and the first of his three terms. Uh, his first three terms, excuse me, because he had four terms. It got all the way up to uh, World War II. But it's an interesting journey. It kind of takes you on a, a very uh, open doc- uh, documentation on who FDR was, why he did things the way he did, uh, some of the amazing things about him and some of the not-so-amazing things about him. I was uh, not that I was in fear of the flaws in, in people, but it's always interesting to see the pitfalls that great men or great great human beings really have had to fight through and overcome. It can really be an inspiring story. Even if you don't agree with all things he did, he, he was an interesting man and definitely uh, presided over a lot of changes uh, in America. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I'm going to have to check that out. So what was the name of that again, Jade? Uh, FDR. Just FDR. Okay, cool. So uh, you find that where probably what Netflix or probably Amazon or something like that. I find it on YouTube, but YouTube. Okay, very good, man. That's awesome. Listen, I want to recommend one thing since we're on the cryptid uh, talk tonight. Um, if, I don't know if you've ever seen the show on. Uh, I think it's the Discovery Channel, Jay, but it's called uh, River Monsters. Have you ever seen that? Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, yeah, it's a great show. Oh, it's an awesome show. And if any of you guys have never seen any of these episodes before. Um, there's this guy named Jeremy Wade. He has this show called River Monsters. He goes to these crazy locations and tries to catch these huge, just unbelievably massive, just crazy fish that you would never knew that existed in rivers and lakes all across the world. And, um, I mean, there's some that he's caught like fucking stingrays that were like 30, 40 feet and, you know, in length from left, you know, from left to right. You know what I mean? Just crazy shit like that. And huge sturgeon, uh, you know, 10, 15 foot sturgeon that, you know, are in, you know, these rivers, you would never think that existed. Um, so just a great show. Um, he, you know, he really breaks down how he, you know, tries to capture these monsters. He gets, you know, accounts from, you know, people in the, uh, in the nearby villages. A lot of these, you know, uh, um, river monsters are also, you know, preying on villagers. You know, some of them are talking about like, uh, uh, piranhas and you know just different types of species of fish just crazy stuff but 
Definitely highly recommend you guys watch River Monsters. You can check that out, I think, on the Discovery Channel. Great show. So, all right, uh, that's it for the outro, Jay. Um, I just wanted to let everybody know that you can follow us again on uh, YouTube, uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Just look up Dark French Radio. Make sure you leave a five-star rating and a comment. And, of course, how to listen to us, just look us up everywhere where you can listen to any type of podcast. We are there. Just look up Dark Fringe Radio. You do the same. Leave a five-star rating, comment, all that stuff. Please make sure you do all that. And if you have any questions, um, anything you want to you know, send to us uh, for the podcast, uh, if you have a guest suggestion, whatever the case may be, you can send that to me directly at thedarkfringe at gmail.com. Uh, anything for you tonight, the rest uh, for the night, Jay? Uh, no, just keep those, uh, those letters coming in. Keep telling us what we can do to make sure we continue providing uh, great, interesting topics as well as some entertaining and fun-loving topics. Uh, if there's other things you want us to research or if there's anything that you want us to look into and give our own opinions on, God knows I give my opinion everywhere I go, please send it in to us. Uh, we want to make sure that we give you the best show possible. Absolutely. And thanks again to Greg Cejudo and also Kurt Haskins for sending in that those mailbag questions for us this week, and we do appreciate it. Again, I'm Will Martinez for Jay Galosi. Thanks for joining on the podcast, and we'll see you guys again next week. Sure was clear that all of this was new. Concentrating hard like a little girl, smoking for the first time. It wasn't a moment. It was a feeling of moving back. community off northern Vancouver Island is at the center of an eerie mystery. People in Alert Bay say they've been hearing strange screams and howls from the forest at night. And the legend of the Sasquatch runs deep in their First Nations culture. As CTV's Gord Kerbis reports, some are now wondering if those legends are real. It's an eerie recording captured on a cell phone of something that's making strange howling noises heard throughout Alert Bay. We heard it once, and I didn't get the recording, and then second time I got the recording, and that's what was on the back porch. Very eerie.
The audio was recorded just recently on the backside of Cormorant Island. It's been heard by many all over the island. This summer I've heard it three times. I've heard it scream three times. But uh, it's been coming here for years. Whatever's been making the noise is heard primarily at night. Some say it's a dog, but others say that's impossible. With that volume, absolutely nothing. No dog can make that kind of a noise with that, with that volume. Art Dick hears the vocalizations just outside of his home. He's convinced the calls are from a Sasquatch. He believes the creature is real because of several previous encounters, like several years ago on a remote island further south when a tree was thrown at himself and fellow clam diggers. Pulled the tree right out of the ground. The branches were still on it. I don't know anything that can just literally pull a tree with roots and all. I mean, you know, you see the little alder growing out there. You try to go and pull it out, you're not going to be able to do it. While the howls and screams that have been heard throughout Alert Bay could be dismissed as simply animal noises, you have to keep in mind that Cormorant Highland is a location where there is no wildlife. There's no bears, no cougars, not even any deer. And while you could dismiss the noises, there have been plenty of sightings. One person that's seen it. Her father lives in Alert Bay, and she came up to visit her father. So she went up to the graveyard to um, pay respects to one of her family. And when she went up to the graveyard, she seen it standing there. She turned around and she got out of there right away. She didn't even go to the graveyard. And a more recent sighting when a group of teens were playing soccer near the band's big house. A large upright creature moved quickly alongside the building in just a few strides. Yeah, they took off right away. They don't even stay there anymore after the dark. Tomorrow on CTV News, a visit to the island by renowned Sasquatch investigator John Bindernagel, talking with witnesses and looking for clues, and we'll travel along. Gord Kerbis, CTV News, Alert Bay.